You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What's going on, Jets Nation? Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I want to thank everyone who's tuning in who just got finished listening to Off the Mat, uh, segueing into our show. I'm your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone, and I am joined by one of the members of my squadron, Jimmy the Reaper Jardine. Jimmy, what's going on, man? Oh, just same as per usual, CJ, just trying to educate people on Facebook and squash the misinformation and the, the lack of knowledge that's out there. So one of the things that I, uh, that I wanted to ask you, I mean, obviously we're going to touch upon the, uh, the Buffalo Bills, New York Jets game, New York Jets getting shot down by the Buffalo Bills, 45-17 to 17 in what was pretty much an embarrassing performance uh, at home in front of the home crowd versus a team that had just come in, uh, just come off a loss against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So you knew that we were going to be facing a an angry Buffalo Bills team. That that was to be said. That was to be expected. Yep. But I also expected that the New York Jets would have been angry themselves because obviously putting up a stinker against the Indianapolis Colts on Thursday night football and having 10 plus days to prepare for the Buffalo Bills we we now come out with the team flat again this is unfortunately it's been a very very sad trend when it comes to the New York Jets Jimmy you and I both know this has been a bugaboo for the past well almost decade plus where the New York Jets just um completely don't really do anything you know uh, uh, productive or if they do by the time that they start to figure things out and make adjustments the game's already well out of hand where basically the Jets are just trying to dig themselves out of it a hole. Give me your thoughts on what you saw. New York Jets, Buffalo Bills, the 45-17 to ass-kicking that we took uh, in our own home. I saw some initial fight our first drive when we were coming down to at least put some points on the board. The drive stall out and fail. And uh, I just, from there, gassed like the, all the wind out of the sails. That could be the reason the defense held the players-only meeting, so credit to them for, for doing that. Really, there's not much you can say about the Buffalo Bills game aside from the fact that the better team won. There wasn't really much of a question about that. The Jets do have a history of making something out of nothing and, and winning games that we supposedly shouldn't win and losing a lot of the games that we're supposed to win. I think Mike White actually said it the best. He said they were struggling, and he tried to force it, and it just snowballed out of control. And that's what I've been talking about all this time, Zach learning from a vet. But all of this misconception that Mike White is somehow this experienced player that Zach can learn from, it's just not true. He was the number three quarterback behind Dak Prescott, a practice squad quarterback. So yeah, he he sat on the Dallas sideline and watched the game, but you can't expect him to teach somebody he can teach intangible things he can teach something about how operations go and this and that but really he doesn't have anything that he can show zach on the field but i think that was just the the end of the story is i think that it started the game started to get out of hand yeah i completely agree with that i mean as far as zach being able to learn from mike white i think i I think the opposite of, of what you're saying now I think that everyone was just so excited to actually see the offense move in a positive direction that as soon as we started scoring points, everybody mm-hmm. got excited. We put up points in bunches against mm-hmm. uh, against Cincinnati. But the problem was, was that we also yep. gave up a ton of points as well. Let's go back to the litany of points that the New York Jets have already given up since the bye week. 54 to the New England Patriots. 31 to the Cincinnati Bengals. 45 to the Indianapolis Colts. We gave up 45 in this game. Frustrating. Because what we thought was supposed to be the biggest strength of this team was going to be the defense. And it actually is now turning out to be the biggest weakness on this team. And the offense, although shows a little bit of promise, there's fans who want Mike White to start. Fans who want Zach Wilson to start. Fans want Zach Wilson traded. Fans think that Mike White's Tom Brady 2.0. Fans are questioning why the hell did we trade a sixth-round pick for Joe Flacco. When you came out and you watched this game, and I actually went back and I watched it again because it was uh, I needed to see different things. I got to listen to the entire game on ESPN New York Radio, but uh, I needed to see it for myself, and I went through the highlights and 
went through some of the some of the reduced game stuff and because I just needed to see with my own eyes where, where the breakdowns were. I mean, the offensive line did did what it could. I mean, it held its water. I mean, despite Greg Van Rotten being trash can that he is, he actually did okay in this game. But nevertheless, Mike White really did not have enough room to operate. The defense wasn't giving him much. And for a quarterback who wants to do the whole, well, let's let, let's take what the de- take what the defense gives you and the defense doesn't give you nothing, sometimes you have to create those opportunities. You have to you have to improvise. You have to mm-hmm. be able to think on the fly. And I think that's where Mike White struggled, and that's what got him into problems. So I had said on the previous show, before the game, that the one thing that the New York Jets could not do was to let this be a get-right game for the Buffalo Bills. And that's exactly what it ended up being. It's frustrating. Scott Cleesby in the comments, thank you for joining in, Scott. You know we love you. What does uh, what do all these games have in common is that the over was a safe bet. And he's right. The New York Jets right now can't stop a high school offense, let alone an NFL offense. And it's going to be really curious to see which New York Jets team we're going to get versus the Miami Dolphins in, in the back-to-back home games. So that's, uh, that's something we're going to talk about later in the show. Um, yep. Any other points from this game that, that stood out to you? I want to make it clear that I'm not blaming Mike White on this one. I'm not laying it all at his feet. Uh, the defense is New York City subway turnstiles at this point. I, I don't make it sound like I'm just bashing Mike White. I'm just kind of using what he said in his media availability after the game because he was right. But blame goes all around for this Buffalo game. It goes all over the team. And I think people are really upset about the coaching. I don't know because I still see wide receivers schemed open. I still see a defense that has pretty good coverage on the receivers. Not the best, but they're young. I I see a defensive line kind of getting pushed around a little bit. But I think a lot of the problems right now is is execution. And I guess you can kind of put that on the coaching staff for as far as preparation is concerned. Um, but that'll come. I, I'm not worried about it. I just, I want people to get off of this fire. Everybody train. I just can't stand that. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's always the, the reaction, you know, uh, always the reaction from, yeah. from the New York jet fan is Woody Johnson is a hall owner. Fire Joe Douglas, fire everybody in the front. Fire Robert Sala, he's a horrible coach. Fire this coaching staff, they all suck. Meanwhile, the the perspective that still needs to be said, and a, a good friend of the show, Daniel Smith, um, says this a lot. And, you know, there, there are times when I agree with him, and there are times when, when I don't. And the time that I, I didn't agree with him was against the Patriots game when I put a pretty scathing post out there in live rounds, and I still defend it, and I still stand by it today. And I respect Daniel. I respect his opinion. I respect his takes. You know, the man the man knows his stuff. He does. We're talking about a football team here that is the, the youngest in the NFL. You're talking about a coaching mm-hmm. staff that's its first year assembled and really getting to know everybody and getting to know the personnel, getting to know the scheme. Mm-hmm. So we have a first-time head coach who's never been a head coach before, who's taking his lumps on the fly, trying to see what works and what doesn't, but also trying to stay true to his philosophy, trying to stay true to his mission statement, which Mm -hmm. is something we've seen coaches come in here, Jim, and they've not. They, they They haven't stayed true. They've... They've listened to the fan, you know. They 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 listen to the fan speak. They they get spooked by it. They start with the whole, uh, we got to do something because the fans are upset. Uh, otherwise, I'm going to see my name in the paper a thousand times. I'm I'm going to get hate mail. Not only to play in New York, but to coach a professional football team, uh, to coach a professional sports team in New York, you need to have a thick skin. Yeah, and you need to you need to understand that. When you do well, people are going to treat you like a deity in, in, in the city. 
All right. Yep. But when you play like garbage, when you play like hot dumpster juice, like the New York Jets are playing, they're going to criticize you. They're going to take pot. They're, they're going to take shots at you. They're going to they're, they're going to say they're, they're going to insult you on social media. They'll insult you to your face. They're going to insult you in any possible way that that they can to get to to get their point across. And the reason being is because they want they, they want their pound of flesh. Because they want the gratification, they want it now. They want everything. To, they want everything yeah. working right now. They want everything clicking right now. They want this. They want that. They want the other thing. And there's a part of me that says you can't blame them for wanting that way. Because let's face it, every regime, every regime up to the up to the point where we where we are now, has promised us a bill of goods that they have failed to deliver. They they just have. Right. And then. That's when they parade themselves in front of the media, and then here's all the excuses. They, oh, we didn't have our we didn't have our best players. Well, we got hit with the injury bug. We got hit with this. We got hit with that. We got hit with the other thing. And fans don't want to hear that, especially a fan base like the New York Jets, where we are considered one of the most loyal fan bases in the NFL. That's not just Jet fans saying that. That is NFL fans coming out and saying that the New York Jet, the New York Jet fan base, is one of the most loyal and the most passionate fan bases there are out there. So when you are the head coach of this football team, you have a responsibility to make sure that you are trying to put a a a product on the field. So. And we we finally have Mr. Kevin Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, He's already Mr. shaking his head. Mr. Yeah. Kevin Jackson already shaking his head. You could already tell by the facial expression that he's already frustrated. And I'm sure that he probably has a lot yeah. in, in, in his bazooka that he would like to uh, fire out to the public in regards to the Bills versus the New York Jets. So I am going to turn the floor over to Mr. Jackson, the man, the myth, the legend himself. Let him get what he's got to get off his chest. Spotty, what say you? I'm numb. You know what? The Buffalo game was an expectation, right, for really what it looks like when you have the 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 perfect mix of, of nonsense happening all at once, right? I'll just say this about the, the Mike White situation. Shame on all of you for thinking that that guy was supposed to be some sort of whatever. It was a horrible, horrible mistake that you all made. The ones who, you know, did whatever it is that you did to, you know, kind of make that an actual thing. Oof. Shame on all of you. But this is a reality. Um, now that we're back, um, I would like to move on. It, 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 was, it was exactly what it is that we needed it to be. Now that uh, we've come back to reality, I want to move on. I'm sure we'll discuss the, 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 the horrible fans that we have within our base. Look, Mike White, four interceptions. He is who I thought he was. I don't know who who the hell everybody else thought he was, but um, we we had a lackluster performance once again from the defense. Um, I think at this point in time, they're looking like they're seeing ghosts, like they're rookies who don't have a clue as to really what's going on, or maybe have a clue but don't know how to flesh it out and can't even you know can't make it work. So I, I'm I'm gonna begin my ending by saying this this is the new york jets right the situation is the way that it is because have been who it is that we are and this game in particular is a microcosm of what it is that this season it brought out a theme for me another unfortunate side effect of hunger starvation now and and that's exactly what it is we have been so bad for so long we're starved for wins we're we're we're, we're starved for a uh, competent, you know, quarterback play, which is why we're, we're uh, you know, kind of doing what it is that we're doing for Zach. We're starved for competent coaching, which is why Robert Sala needs to be fired. We're, we're, we're starved for, you know, functional general managerial skills to be displayed here. And I mean, that there, there again, there, there, there's a lot to be said for, you know, the short amount of time that we're actually giving it. But that's what I'm talking about. We've been so hungry for so long. 
that all of these stupid ass knee jerk reactions and and ridiculously over the top takes the dumbest of oh my god mike white is a god we need to see what he is no we, we saw don't. i tweeted this out before the fact of the matter is is that we got exposed for who it is that we are we are who it is that we are yep. the expectation was that we were going to have bumps in the road we've got we got rookies everywhere right and i'm not just talking about the players in particular mm -hmm. right Coaches and Jim, I, I'll say this because you and I, we came into the season with a really high, you know what I'm saying, level of, of what it is that we believed was possible. All those things that we discussed were predicated upon the team actually doing well in what it is that they wanted to do. And it hasn't happened. What we have is the worst possible case scenario in most cases. We have a, a an, an injury depleted defense for all of what it is that, you know, we're, we're talking about. We don't have the guys to, to make plays. We don't have the scheme, whatever. We don't have, we don't have any of those things. We've got, we've got, a, a mishmash of, of, of really decent players in certain spots who are not being able to be put in position to succeed because the guy next to him isn't any good, right? Uh -huh. And then we've got bad coaching on top of that. Now what it is that we have is we have this game, which was stupid on its face to even believe, oh, yeah, we need to see what he's got. Let's go ahead, let's go throw Mike White out there against the best defense <laughs> in the league. Going to light it up. Mike White's been just the damn guy for ages. He's been kicked off of practice squads multiple times. He's been kicked off of this practice squad. Look, if Adam Gates kicks you off the practice squad. You know on, you man. suck. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, 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 I had I, to. I, 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 I yeah, had yeah, to break the mood, the, the mood of depression with a smart-ass comment. I mean, come on. I mean, by the end of this show, if we continue talking about this negativity, even, they're going to want to commit depressed. suicide. <laughs> I'm not even depressed. I'm not even depressed anymore. You know what, Jimmy? A phenomenal piece that summed it up, you know, as, 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 as eloquently as I, I would say that you, that you laid it out. That's where we are. That's who we are. That's what it is. Ages of horrible coaching, ages of horrible player personnel development, player personnel, you know, uh, whatever, if you want to even call it that, because we weren't drafting guys, we were bringing the horrible free agents, we were spending money on guys that, you know, obviously gave us no production, didn't do anything, couldn't coach them. Could, look, I'm, 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 I'm optimistic. So as, as, as much as I feel integrated, I'm optimistic because finally what it is that we're seeing is what it's supposed to look like when you actually do a proper rebuild. I'm done with that right now. We can talk about this for, for hours, and I'm just... <laughs> I, I, I want to talk about something else because the Buffalo game, look, the, the expectation was that we were going to lose. We didn't think we were going to lose that bad, but that's because everybody thought Mike White was the second coming of, of who the hell else because I'm not going to call him Joe Willie. Joe Willie had really a, a couple of decent seasons and, and, and threw more interceptions and touchdowns. Wasn't really a good quarterback, but he won a Super Bowl, so I wouldn't even want to call him Joe Willie. I would hope that what it is that we have coming up the pipeline is is better than Joe Willie, because Joe Willie isn't even. I don't even know. Other other than the, other than the Super Bowl game, was he even the best Jets quarterback in the history of the franchise? No, I'm not, he I'm, wasn't. I'm not, I, yeah, again, let's go. All right, so let's transition now over into our second topic, which is something that I wanted to talk about. I mean, obviously, because of this game, um, a lot of people were very outspoken. Jimmy, myself, you, Kevin, but none other than Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan, who made an appearance on the EPHO and Rothenberg show on uh, ESPN 98.7 FM. Words about the comparison between Robert Sala and himself. So he had some very pointed words about talking about handling a rookie quarterback and so on. And he feels like that. No one should ever be comparing Robert Sala to Rex Ryan whatsoever. Now, I'm very curious to hear that I agree with what what you guys uh, think about this. So we're going to start in reverse order. Kevin, I want to start with you because I'm very interested to hear what you think, and then we'll swing back around to Jimmy, and then I'm going to give my thoughts before we segue on to our next subject for this evening. Let me begin by saying I used to love Rex Ryan. I still love Rex Ryan. I say this all the time. When Rex came in, I think that Rex, the perfect infusion of energy for this franchise at the time when he came in. And if he was any good, we'd have rings. If he was any good, we'd have multiple rings at this point. Because for all of Mangini's flaws, the one thing that he did was he built a roster that put us in position to win championships point blank period the end he just couldn't coach the whole the whole rex ryan thing rex ryan's a blowhard 
I love the attitude when it was winning games for us. As of right now, it's a little overblown because Rex is probably going to fade from relevancy here very shortly. He's not coaching anymore, and he's not really a good talking head. He is a, he's a loudmouth personality, and I guess if that's the type of show that you want to run, then yeah, Rex might actually you know maintain some some value for you. But Rex Rex doesn't have any value in in the mainstream of intelligent football conversation. The hell are we talking about here? Rex Ryan's a moron. Let's wrap this up. Rex and, and Robert Sala. I think Robert Sala did a perfect job in how it is that he handled it. But that's how you handle nonsense. You treat yeah. it like it's nonsense. That's what it is. So I mean, I, I'm, I'm gonna keep it short on this, Jim, because this is pretty stupid. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying having a straightforward yeah. response to this <laughs> kind of makes sense. What do you think, bro? Well, have you guys have you guys ever seen that that TV show Brooklyn Nine Nine? <laughs> seen a couple of pieces of it i've so seen coming a, attractions for it so so check out brooklyn 99 and there's a few episodes that will actually sum up rex ryan here and uh it i forget his name but the actor brian o'reilly and oz yeah the mayhem guy <laughs> so he plays a character they call the vulture so brooklyn 99 they they work their cases like regular cops do the vulture works for major crimes unit and has the authority to come take a case at any point in time. Well, the vulture likes to wait until the case is all but wrapped up and then swoop in, snatch it and take all the credit for himself. <laughs> That's Rex. Rex Ryan hijacks everyone else's roster as it's almost to completion. And then he does well. And then he gets this aura about him that he's some kind of a great coach, which he's not the worst. He's not the best. But then the media does what the media does, and the media starts just dropping those little seeds. Rex Ryan, oh, wow, he's done great with the Jets. <laughs> but Mangini built the team. And then Rex is like, well, I need my team. So what does he do? He just starts just gutting this roster like it's a deer carcass on the side of a road. And then he gets exposed when he puts his rosters on the field. Incorrect pieces in incorrect places with a good game plan from Rex Ryan. A good play calling system, a good defense, a good defensive scheme. He gets exposed. So I know I went a little bit more long-winded with my analogy, but I guarantee you the second you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine and you see that first episode with the Vulture, you're going to be like, Rex! <laughs> <laughs> but that that's all I got to say on it. I think Rex is I think Rex is a gas bag and a blowhard and I think he just needs to keep his mouth shut. All right. So I'm going to give my thoughts on this and I don't know who it is who compared Robert Sala to Rex Ryan. I don't know if it's people within Rex's inner circle or whatever, but I just think that people need to stop comparing Robert Sala to Rex Ryan. And for Rex to react and to comment the way that he did kind of feels like he took whatever whatever it was that was said personally. And I just think that he really he really shouldn't have taken it to to the the spot where it was. I mean, uh, I understand yeah. that you you want to feel strongly and you want to feel passionately about what's going on because you love the Jets and so on. And maybe you're pissed off that you didn't get you didn't get reconsidered for uh, the head coaching position. But you know what? There's a reason why you're not coaching in the NFL anymore. Because if people thought that you were still a good head coach, you would have a job. Now, again, I'm not taking a shot at Rex. I don't want anybody to think, oh, CJ's bashing Rex and blah, blah, blah. No. Uh, fr from an outsider coming in, Rex's comments were completely inappropriate. I mean, it's one thing if you want to say, that the defense is a sieve. They look like they're, they they look like they're lost in space, and so on and so forth. That's one. But if somebody's in your ear saying that somebody compared you to Robert Sala, you need to take that with a grain of salt, and you need to just brush it off. So, Sala comments, which I thought were very classy, because uh, to me, I just thought he took he. He took a, a, a slight jab at Rex and just said, look, I never met Rex. I didn't get to talk to Rex, but if he, feel, if he feels that personal about it, he knows where to find me. So, and then finished it off by, you know, like, uh, that he wasn't surprised about Rex's comments, is that he'd, he's always got something to say. 
Well, lately over the past couple of years of Rex's broadcasting career on uh, on NFL Live, on the ESPN NFL shows, unfortunately, yeah. He, he does have a lot to say. He's very opinionated, but that's part of his appeal and that's part of his that 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 that's part of his shtick and that's what brings him there. But look, if Rex wants to criticize Salah, that's that's on him. I mean, we've we've already done a, enough criticism of Salah, but we've also been trying to back him up saying, look, the same way that we gave Gase an opportunity, the same way that we gave Bowles an opportunity, to say we gave, you know, Rex extra years. We need to give Salah an opportunity. And yeah, unfortunately, the team looks like trash right now. The team is playing like trash. They look like they're lost. They look like they're frustrated. They look like they're, they're, they look like they're a team that's tired of losing. But the problem is when you're tired of losing and you're straight up tired, okay, what's going to happen? Those mental mistakes are going to increase. They're not going to decrease. You're, you're going to start to develop bad habits like sloppy tackling, okay, uh, committing penalties when you really shouldn't, making false start penalties, encroachment penalties, uh, hand, uh, hands to the face penalties, and, and God knows what else. So, in regards to the, the beef between Sala and Rex, I just think it's stupid. I think it was unprofessional on Rex's part. I mean, it's one thing to criticize a coach, but when you're when when you're gonna go, you know, scorched earth on him like I think he did, and you know, other people had their opinions as well. I mean, look, it's easy to jump on Salah because the team is struggling, but when the team is winning, then nobody's gonna say anything. So, but before we segue over to our next subject, there's a comment that I would like to read on air from our beloved gentleman, mm-hmm. uh, from from our beloved watcher and listener, Scott Cleesby. Now, there are a couple of curse words in here, which I am going to take out. You better stay late tonight. All I've heard is this proves that White was a piece of crap backup because he went against the best D in the league. You ignorant jackasses. And I'm actually being nice about that compared to what he actually said. He played two games, one very well, one crappy. All anyone said, give him a chance to see what he can do. Nobody said he was the second coming of Joe Montana. No, that's not true, because after the Cincinnati game, there were a lot of people comparing him to Tom Brady, Scott. Unfortunately, yeah. Tons. That, that's, that's, Tons. That line right there, I got to dispute. That happened. But, uh, but I understand you got a point there. Why don't you say the same things about Zach? He's played a hell of a lot worse than White. But Jets fans' lips are chapped from sucking his behind. I want to destroy all of you for talking out of your butt. Again, no one ever said he was the great White Hope. In parentheses, pun intended. All that was said was give the kid a chance while Zach is hurt. Now they're going to start Flacco. That makes no sense. I see people. Uh, I see people say it's to give other players a better chance. You stupid idiots! Who was the quarterback when Carter and Moore had their best games? That that's why it doesn't make sense. This coaching staff is starting Flacco because if White goes out there and balls out against the team that isn't the Bills. Then they would they would hear about which quarterback do you start. I get it and I understand, but don't say it's to help the other players. Carter's and Moore's numbers have gone up with White under I'll center. Say that. He's he's not wrong. He's not wrong, but a bro- a broken clock is is right twice a day. Twice That's a, a day. garbage ass take, Scott. I'm 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 look. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give him. I, I I'll give Scott props. Most of what it is that we get, you know, you know, it may be antagonistic. But usually, it's at least grounded in reality. This this nonsense that he's spewing right now, no, hell no. You know, I'm I'm sorry. Were you done with the comment? Because if yeah, you, if you want, was. go ahead and let him finish, and then I got something for his ass. I completed the comment, so please have have at it. Wet my ass with that comment. Um, first <laughs> off, the reality is is that there were quite a few people out there talking about, oh yeah, Mike White, Mike White, Hall of Fame, blah blah blah. Don't give me that nonsense. I don't know. I don't know how many people it is that you interact with. I'm not sure if you, you know, you interact maybe with the same, you know, uh, you know, portions of the fan base that, that I interact with. But I'm going to tell you right now, there were people who I respect who felt like Mike White was the second coming and who actually, you know, were going out of their way to make it a point, you know, extremely annoyingly that they felt like this guy was 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 kind of was going to be it based off of a game where he didn't do much of anything against the team that that while we're really keeping it real 
had an overrated defense at the time. So, I mean, it's not like he went out there and he balled out. No. All right, so you're talking about Moore and, and, and Carter having their best games. That's the reason why he looked good. That's the in, in, in the last the last opportunity that they that they've had, they haven't performed at that level. It was one damn game. The hell are you talking about? No. Mike, Mike, I, I listen, quite a few people that I know were saying that Mike Wright was it. Quite a few people I know are still saying right now that the reason why Joe Flacco starting is a bad idea is because the possibility of Mike White being the guy. Shut you know what? Joe Flacco gives us the best opportunity to win against Miami. Point Black Period, the end. I don't care what anyone else says. You may not like this tape, but you should respect it. That, but that nonsense that you just dropped in there, a few pieces of that that I'm going to take without giving you the side eye from now on. <laughs> All right. No. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to uh, transition over. Well, Actually, let me let me jump in. Let me jump in on that one real quick. All right, Jimmy, come on, fire away. And uh, then I'll, I'll I will give Scott going. credit. I'll give Scott, and mine's, and mine's a short one. I'm going to give Scott credit because he himself, I've had many conversations in direct messages with Scott about this. Um, we fought and cursed at each other and called each other idiots, uh, mm -hmm. to put it nicely. Yep, we do. Uh, many times. We, uh, to we do Scott's that credit, he, he never, he. So your nickname yeah. is Purple Dan. He never and said Kevin's that Mike White was the. <laughs> yeah, well. To, to Scott's credit, he never – he he's telling the truth. He never said anything about Mike White being the second coming. He never said anything about that. Uh, although I think I remember uh, we need to see if we have a diamond in the rough got in some of our messages. So whatever, whatever. we're pushing it. However, I think this – and we're going to talk more about Flacco. I, I think what irritates me the most about this – is everybody was so ready to anoint this kid as some sort of savior after one game. And then those same people, after he drops four picks, no touchdowns, and has a, a, an abysmal game, is those same people are saying, well, stop criticizing him after one game. It, that shit works up. I'm sorry for my language. That stuff works both ways, man. Joe Flacco gives us the best chance to win, and I have – a full-on theory about that. So uh, take us where you're taking us next. All right. So first things first, I want to get started on tonight's uh, segments over here. So we're going to start off with Kevin. Uh, Kevin's going to take us in the spotlight this evening to let us know who's got the white hot spotlight shining on. So, Kev, the floor is yours. Talk to us, brother man. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, once again. Thank you very much for joining me under the White House spotlight. Um, it's going to be really quick because I think the way that the season is trending, we really only have one storyline that really involves anything functional, and that's Joe Flacco. Okay, We can talk about the improvements that we're getting from Elijah Moore and Michael Carter. going to tie into Joe Flacco. We can talk about some of the difficulties that we've been facing on defense. Indirectly, it's going to tie into Flacco. We can talk about the improvements of our offensive line and, and the, the, the most obvious deficiencies that we see every single week. Again, that ties a little bit into what it is I'm going to talk about with Joe Flacco. Um, we're going to talk about Miami's defense, which after last week really kind of impressed some people and maybe you know gave some of the impressions that the reason why Zach actually isn't starting is because they're afraid that he actually doesn't want to face a defense that has the capability that Miami's defense apparently showed uh, in that game last week. And, and, and there's some reality in that. But again, that again is going to tie a little bit into Flacco. Flacco's a veteran presence. Flacco has been in more high-pressure practices than Mike White has played in games in his career. Um. Joe Flacco has a championship caliber ability to process an offense. He's played in this offense before. I think the biggest contribution that Joe Flacco is going to give to this entire organization is the film that he leaves for Zach Wilson to study. When we talk about giving us the best opportunity to win this week, it is because of all of those things. Joe Flacco is a seasoned guy. Joe Flacco is a Super Bowl champion. Joe Flacco is a what a, a, a rookie of the year candidate. H holds holds many records uh, for quarterback play in this league, and is going to come in to a, a a situation where 
all of those veteran tendencies are going to be necessary for him to be successful and he wants to play he wants to he wants to play he wants to be a star. that's that's still his his goal that's still the reason why he straps him up every week so the fact of the matter is is that my expectation is that what he's going to do he's going to go out there and he's going to try to put his best foot forward because if the opportunity arises <laughs> saints <laughs> saints um quite possibly what it is that he'll do is give himself an opportunity to play and start for someone else joe flacco can process this offense joe flacco can read and understand the defense that he's going to be seeing against miami this weekend joe flacco is going to recognize where the open receivers are, and he's going to recognize when he needs to check down. If Elijah Moore and Michael Carter are going to improve the way that everybody seems to want to think that Mike White is responsible for them, you know, doing, I think what they're going to do is they're going to go out and they're going to take whatever opportunities that they're given, and they're going to make the most of them. Something that we actually saw them do in at, at a very high level when Mike White was the quarterback, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Mike White was nice. Mike White dumps off, you know, in in the backfield, and Michael Carter takes it for twenty yards. Same same thing with, with Elijah Moore. You give him a, a, you know a, a toss sweep, and he scores. Oh yeah, Mike White's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Cut it out. Joe Flacco is, should be able to process this, this offense at a high level. I'm gonna tell you right now what we saw of Mike White and Josh Johnson. If if Joe Flacco goes out and throws for four hundred yards, I hope that would be the expectation and not the beginning of another stupid ass quarterback controversy. In this spotlight, the week Joe Flacco. Guys, I know we got more to talk about, but I mean, just come on now. What do you think? I love it, Jimmy. Where you at? I lo- I love it. I I couldn't agree more. And in fact, I'll actually use this. We'll talk again. I think we'll talk about Flacco more later on. But it, this goes into what I wanted to say. Um, I think this was the plan since the New England game that Zach got hurt in. I think that I think that Flacco was brought back in to be the guy, but what people need to remember that he didn't get here until what? Two days before the Cincy game. Okay. He's an unvaccinated player. So he still has to clear COVID protocols, which means he couldn't participate in any team activities until I could, I think it was two or three days after the Indy game, which is why you saw him on the sideline masked more often than not. Yeah. Okay. So it's about, seven days really only about three or four practice days before Buffalo of practicing with the team. Mike White is still the answer there because Flacco's not fully installed on the offense. But now he is. I think this was the I think this was the probability from the start when Joe Douglas made that decision. And I'm also going to go on a hot take and say that Flacco could start the remainder of the season. But it's a good move. People that are criticized that you don't you don't know football. Period. I'm not going to mince words about it. You don't know the game, and you don't know this team. I would I would I would really hate. And I mean, maybe just because you know I I don't want to get off of my 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 horse when we're talking about having Zach need as much you know playing time as possible. Mm-hmm. But I'm just going to keep it real. I I think of him having another game or two of film to review with Joe Flacco as the quarterback, knowing that physically he can do the same thing that we're seeing everybody else do, but also bring that certain level of, you know, of additional excitement with his mobility and, and the off-schedule stuff. I think it, it it begs to question, is it even smart to give him another couple of games? But almost every snap that Zach doesn't play when he's 100% healthy is, is a waste because going into next season, a lot of things are going to change and what it is that we don't want to do is come into the season with questions about where it is that you know he's going to end up going it gives us an indication of really where it is that he ends the season if he sits out the rest of the season and then we come back in camp are we going to be looking at him and saying you know is this the guy or, or are we still going to be looking at him going in on year two saying he had some flashes but we really don't know and because he that's going to be last season you know where, where are we at that's going to be jets fans and that's going to be media that's not going to be the coaching staff and that's the frustrating part of this is Jets fans are going to be making those stupid takes. Jets fans are going to be asking those stupid questions. I was an advocate, and I'll put my point on this whole thing, and I'll explain. I wanted a vet at the start. I wasn't opposed to Zach Wilson sitting year one. It's working with Trey Lance. He He gets in and out of games here and there, and he's learning. I'm not opposed to that. The difference is 
is Mike White does not have any practical experience that Zach can learn from. He has talent. Mike White has talent. He's not the next Tom Brady. He's not a diamond in the rough. He is if if you could consider him a starting level talent, Mike White might eventually maybe possibly get to Derek Carr's level. Wow. That type of a ceiling. Wow. Maybe. He's gonna he's gonna be able to lead your team. He'll win you some games. He'll get you he'll probably he could probably get you to the playoffs once or twice. That's, but he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. That's high praise, though, because, I mean, David Carr is considered a pretty good quarterback. Right? I, and I'm not taking that away. I think Mike White can be a pretty good quarterback, too. But he's not the answer here, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Okay? Now, I think that – but like I said, there's a difference between sitting behind a guy and watching a guy that has no experience, and that showed – his inexperience showed against – okay? So I think there's a difference between sitting behind that and sitting behind a 14-year vet that has 40,000 passing yards, 225 uh, touchdowns to 144 interceptions, and has a 61.7% completion rate. That There's a difference between sitting behind and learning from a fourth-year player that the best he ever got until this year was a third-string quarterback behind Dak Prescott and a backup that I couldn't even name. Yeah, That's the difference. All right, so where I stand on this with Joe Flacco, my first comment's going to be in regards to Zach Wilson. I think that this gives Zach Wilson an opportunity to see another quarterback under center operate the offense, in which he'll have another full game of tape to see how Flacco responds to defenses, how they how he looks in different situations and so on, where I think that Zach will get the best possible education that the New York Jets can muster given the crew that we already have. So as far as I'm concerned, the more information that we can give to Zach Wilson so that way in 2022 he can hit the ground running or he could potentially hit the ground running and knows exactly what he needs to do and he can go out there and execute the offense should be it, it, it should be okay. That being said, the Starting Flacco over Miami, over White in Miami, I think it's being overblown. I think that the Jets wanted to make sure that Flacco got the opportunity to start. He was brought in here to be that veteran presence. He was brought in here to be that veteran mentor, although he's not really the teaching type of quarterback like Josh McCown um, does, but he supposedly he does have some veteran leadership in the locker room. And I guess when you have the majority of your locker room being a bunch of, of uh young pups, first and second year players, some third year players that are having difficulty being able to adapt to this scheme and also to the speed of the NFL game where they're trying to learn on the, they're trying to learn on the fly. Mistakes are going to be made. And look, Flacco does give us the, be- the, the best chance to win, or so they say. To me, I just want to see this team put a competitive effort on the field and not embarrass themselves like they did last week against Buffalo. That being said, now it's time to give the mic to Jimmy the Reaper Jardine, as Jimmy's going to take us inside the front office. So, yes, Jimmy, you have some pointed comments for the front office, so the floor is yours, my friend. Take it away. Today in the front office, we have Jets fans. Jets fans are in the front office today. All these posts that I see... This coach should be fired. That coach should be fired. Joe Douglas hasn't done anything. Just stop. You guys aren't coaches. You guys aren't GMs. You don't have access to an entire scouting unit. You don't have access to any of the game plan in front of the coaching staff leading up to a game. You're not there at walkthroughs. You're not there in the locker room. You're sitting in your couch eating a bag of potato chips, just like me. I'm a fat guy. I can admit it. Difference is is some of us research this team and this game so much, and we put so much of our lives into this, into seeing the inner workings of it. I don't know. This season, I've probably dedicated two or 3,000 hours of research into contracts, into potential trade scenarios, into now mock drafts for next season, into what the trade deadline looks like, all of it. Into the game plan, looking what Salah's doing, look at what Ulbrich's doing, trying to look at what we're doing. Thousands of hours this season alone. And I still don't think that I have 
the say to tell a coach or a GM how to do their job. I can suggest things. You can suggest things. Everybody can have an opinion on it. But when you have a casual level of understanding of the team and the game, be careful about putting such hardline stances out there and hardline takes. Be careful about saying a fourth-year player that has never played until 2021 is the next Tom Brady. Be careful. That's happened once in NFL history, guys. Everybody just needs to relax. The final point on front office tonight, go ahead and put in an application to the New York Jets. Go be a coach. Go be a GM. Be a GM's assistant. I've done it. I have a scouting internship application with the New York Jets right now. Takes a F ton of time for them to look at them. But the final thought on this thing, just stop. Everybody's tired of hearing it. You don't know. And if we don't know, you definitely don't know. What do you guys think? Bravo. Very well said. Realistically, I, I think you and I are in line with how it is that we see a lot of this. And a lot of it is nonsense. Not to go back and rehash my whole unfortunate side effect thing, but that's basically what it is that we're dealing with, right? I mean, fans who have a difficulty understanding what it looks like to watch competent anything kind of have outlandish takes about everything. And that's what we're seeing. So even even me myself i deserve to have a little light shown on me because of of you know some of the ways that i've been frustrated with what it is that we're, we we have going on but i at least try to be realistic and the majority of fans as of right now i mean i don't know maybe it is just me maybe it's just because we move in the circles that we move in and there seem to be maybe a few more folks with i guess what amounts to be uncommon sense uh in in these circles some of this was like oh my god please just shut up like you, you you're making us look bad with, with some of these takes i'm frustrated myself so i get it i'm kind of in the same line as you guys i mean i'm i'm frustrated i've put a lot of controversial takes out there on social media voicing my frustration and i know it's especially in a year where we're supposed to be preaching patience and we're we're supposed to be patient as these kids learn and we watch these kids learn and develop and I can definitely say, after nine games, now almost ten games, I definitely did not expect to see this team where it is. Although, I think that it's being sensationalized a little bit worse than it really is. I think that this is what a true rebuild looks like. I think that there are so many times we have been told that this is what a true rebuild looks like. You know, that... It, that that phrase in itself has just been used over and over and over and over again. It's just a blanket statement to excuse crappy play. But I really think that in this case it is relatively true. I mean, as I discussed earlier on the on the program, um, when, when you weren't here, Kevin, was we got a lot of first-year coaches, a, a lot of guys in new positions that have never been in this position before. We've got play, uh, first uh, first year football players, second year football players that are learning, they're learning the scheme, trying to learn the defense. We got a rookie quarterback that we're trying to develop. We've got a rookie offensive coordinator who's trying to help him develop. There's a lot of pieces where we could take a look and say, yeah, the Jets are deficient, and maybe they should have thought about getting some veteran leadership. But Robert Sala seems to be sticking true to his culture, and he's sticking true to his mantra, and he's sticking true to the to the character building that he's that he's trying to instill within the locker room. Look, there are a couple positives that we could take out of this, guys. I mean, you're not hearing players in the locker room say, like, you know, well, well, if the defense would freaking get a stop, maybe the offense would do that. So even with the comments of Greg Van Rotten, that's just him being a jackass. You're seeing unity and a bunch of guys that they're trying week in and week out to get it to get it right. So, and I just think that, yeah. as, as I said before, Jet fans have lost patience because we've been lied to by previous regimes, that we, we've been promised a bill of goods that we didn't get. Yeah. I mean, we, we were promised a bill of goods that we, we, we didn't get the results that we, that we were paying for. But yet, season ticket holders are asked to dish out tens of thousands of dollars for their seats, and you're really not getting a return on investment. That's wherein lies a lot of people, a lot of people's frustration. And it's not just this year; it, it's every year. So, really, if you think about it in retrospect, how long did it take us to get two wins last year, and we already have two wins this year? There are some yeah. positives that you can look at as to some progress. We just wish that the progress was not few and far between, and not uh, not getting our doors blown off which was something that we had talked about at the 
during the offseason, where we could accept being 2-7 and seven if we were losing by, by an average mean of like 9 points or something like that, or 7 points, right? Sort of like the 49ers did in Kyle Shanahan's first year. Robert Sala talked about that, where they, they were 0-9, and they lost by an average. Sustainable av- competitive. Right. We're trying to build competitive sustainability. Not just being competitive this year, but being competitive for years to come. Not just, let's win now, and then next year we're going to suck. And then win, win the following year, and then the next year we're going to suck again. Okay, because that's not how teams like the New England Patriots operate. Now the Buffalo Bills, now the Pittsburgh Steelers, now the Baltimore Ravens, now the Cleveland Browns, the Green Bay Packers, etc., etc. I'm not going to name teams. You guys know. One more along those horrendously bad takes. Jets fans, please stop with the whole... The 2000 Baltimore Ravens gave up 165 points in 16 games and the Jets gave up 175 in four games. You cannot equate a Hall of Fame stacked defense and an NFL record in the Baltimore Ravens. That Baltimore Ravens defense had 63 years of combined NFL experience. None of our Rod DBs Woodson, had more than a year. <laughs> the, two years, entire room. The defensive secondary is the youngest in NFL history. But they had, back in 2000, Ray Lewis. They had Ed Reed. They had Rod Woodson. Tony Siragusa. Siragusa, that's the one. Yeah. And then you're, you're comparing those names, future Hall of Famers, perennial pro bowlers throughout that entire defense, and you're comparing them to Bryce Hall and Javelin Guidry. <laughs> and Foley Fadakasi yeah. and Gerard Davis. Oof. That's that's Oof. that's your take. That's your take on that. That's what that's the deal you want to die on. Right. Is that the Jets defense is worse than the 2000 Baltimore Ravens defense? Both get out. Both, Just both get out. Of, both of our our safety linebacker hybrids. Where yeah, both of, the, both of them injured right now. So. Thompson, Nasraldeen, Brandon Eccles. Jamie and Sherwood. Right? Jamie and Sherwood. But let's yeah. compare them to Ed Reed and Rod Woodson. Yeah, Brian Cashman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Striking fear. What is, Striking what fear. Are you, <laughs> right? why, why even bring that up? Obviously, nobody's saying that our defense is awesome. Just mind-boggling to me. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just – you said Baltimore clicked in my head. I'm like, I, I got to put that out. Yeah. No, that's that, – that's Put fine. that fire out. All right, so – uh, what I want to do is uh, we're, we're starting to come up against it, so let's look at Jets Miami. Shouldn't really take long. Kevin, we'll start with you, then we'll go to Jimmy. I'm going to give my thoughts. Jets Miami, Flacco getting the starting nod. Tell me what you think. Uh, this is one of them, another one of them games on paper where we look like, you know, we should at least have a shot. Thought that many games already this season, and we turned yeah. out we didn't really have a shot. Um, and then in the games where you're like, yeah, there's no way we win this, and they then they show up. So. There's no way we win this. <laughs> Let's hope. The minute I, I, I start to be skeptical, they, they prove me wrong. So I think I, I want to remain skeptical uh, for the next couple of seasons. Look, Miami didn't really strike fear in anyone's hearts offensively. Obviously, um, our defensive line, if we give them the opportunity this week, and that is really going to come down to the type of game plan that they've drawn up for us, um, I think we should, have, we should have pretty decent success. And if that's the case, um, and our, our defense uh, can, can do a little something um, against their offense, even if we do struggle on offense, it should give us a shot. Um, this this designed to put up points in bunches. And I think, again, if we get competent play from Joe Flacco, I think that's exactly what it is that we'll see. Um, I'm not going to say we're going to see 400-something yards because, again, I think it's created by exemplary games by Michael Carter and Elijah Moore and even to a certain extent Corey Davis and, 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 uh, and, and Ty Johnson. Um, and, I, and I'm not sure if we can count on that that – uh, production being consistent, even as we're really excited about seeing it improve, you know, in frequency. So um, it's an opportunity for us to win. <clears throat> I think I think we match up well. I personally went into the season thinking that we'd sweep Miami, um, and that really hasn't changed right now. I still do believe that that we're capable of doing that because Miami isn't really a good team, notwithstanding what it is that you saw last week in Baltimore. Um, no one really wants to give us the type of credit after we, you know, played the games that we played in Cincinnati. And mind you, we beat Tennessee, right? 
I'm not going to yeah. say that, you know, th that wasn't a, you know, a, a fluke kind of game. We beat Tennessee. Our defense showed up. Our offense did enough. The special teams kind of did everything. And the coaches actually drew up a game plan that really worked versus what it is that we thought that they were going to do. And we need to see something like that again this weekend if we're going to beat Miami. Actually, we need to see something like that uh, being the, the norm uh, when it comes to this coaching staff and what it is that they draw up. And again, this is, you know, kind of a long-term synopsis just kind of packed into this one little short thing. If we really want to be good consistently, not only do we need to have the influx of players, but we need to have that creativity and, and that flexibility on defense. And hopefully we'll see that this weekend. Jim, what do you think? I actually absolutely agree with you. And uh, I think you made a great point talking about how we beat the Titans. I loved what you said because when you said – we drew up something for them, and we executed, and it worked. And I think that's part of the what some Jets fans don't understand is this isn't Madden. You don't just have a playbook that you pick a play from, and then it works based off of a, a random number generator, a computer algorithm. So I, I love that, and I think that that if more people realized that, then there wouldn't be so much hostility. Uh, as far as Jets Jets versus Dolphins, everything that we can say from these last few games, every time we, we can say it, that the Jets need a, a get-right game, that the Jets need to a come to Jesus, um, I'm going to go a little bit more focused. And this is a get-right game for Quinnen and JFM. Yes. Um, those two need to step it up. And this is the offensive line to do that against. Miami's offensive line is not that good. And they should be able to get pressure on I, – I, is it going to be Tua? I don't know. Do they trust the kid yet or not? I'm not sure. Um, but I don't see I don't see them being that much of an offensive threat to us, even though our defense has been pretty bad. Yeah. Um, so I think we can – I think we can go for there. Uh, as far as their defense is concerned, Miami's got a decent defense, but it's very it's – a, it's a house of cards. It's very – if something happens – to Xavier Howard, they got nobody to back him up. There's no depth on that defense. So I'm not saying hopefully somebody gets injured. I'm just saying those guys aren't playing every snap of every of every game. So we need to take advantages uh, advantage of the opportunities that are given to us. I think Flacco is a smart enough quarterback to do that. And uh, I think that the benefit a little bit of a disagreement from Scott Cleesby's comment earlier is the benefit of having Flacco, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, they can all run their routes the way they're supposed to. And Flacco is a, is an experienced enough quarterback to just get him the ball. So they don't have to worry about chemistry. They don't have to worry about anything like that. They can just play ball. And I think this'll, this'll put them in a very good position to shine. Great. All right, CJ, knock it out of the park. All right, well, in plain English, the Jets' defense is going to have a, a tough test with the with the Miami Dolphins' offense. I mean, obviously, they're coming off of a very emotional win against um, the Baltimore Ravens. They've had, you know, quite a few, uh, um, quite some time to prepare for the New York Jets. So, hopefully, Michael Floor has some tricks up his sleeve. And hopefully uh, Joe Flacco will be able to get the Jets offense back on track. Now, to what Jimmy alluded, Miami, I believe they're going to be starting Tua. Their offensive line is a little bit suspect. However, they played really well against Baltimore. I expect to see a little bit more of that because Miami's taking a look at this game and circling the New York Jets is another get-right game to, for them to string two in a row. And... Flores supposedly is on the hot seat, so if he were to come to MetLife and take an L, you know that his seat is going to be getting a little bit warmer. So they've got some, some stuff that they're playing for. Now, for the New York Jets, the New York Jets right now, you're playing for pride. You're playing for a little bit of respect, and most of all, you're playing to, you're, you're playing to show your fans, don't give up on us. Still believe in us. We we can be competitive. We can go out there and we and we can make you proud. And this is the game that they need to do it because supposedly this the schedule gets easier. But as I alluded to 
both on stage and off stage. Those teams that are supposedly soft teams on the New York Jets schedule, they're looking at the Jets at low-hanging fruit. They're thinking like, yo, we could get straight against these guys because these guys can't get their, can't get their stuff together. So the Jets need to, Thanks. They, they need to step up, they need to man up, and they need to play big boy football. And go out there and get a win against an opponent that's just as bad as you, if not more inferior than you. All right, I mean, Miami's had a very disappointing season this year. A lot of people picked them to be a sleeper wild card pick and to even, you know, make it to, to win a round or two in the playoffs. And they've let a lot of people down. So a lot of rumblings around Miami is, again, like I just alluded to, that Flores is on the hot seat. They would love nothing more than to come to the Jets and to get a win versus a struggling Jets team so that way they can go home feeling better about themselves that at least they got a, a, another AFC East win. Because remember, this is a Miami Dolphins team that also beat the Patriots earlier in the year. So, it is what it is, ladies and gentlemen. And right now, you got to take your, you, you got to take your opportunities where you can take it. You got the Miami Dolphins. They haven't had a great season. The Jets are not having a great season. Get mad. Be mad, play mad, play smart, and take it out on them. And if you do, if you can play semi-competent football against the Miami Dolphins, you'll be competitive in this game. I don't expect you to win, but don't embarrass us like you did last week. The New York Jets next week are actually going to be taking on the Houston Texans. And you know what? That means tailgate time. Shout out to Miss Alexis Gepner, who is spearheading... A tailgate operation on behalf of the Houston Jet fans in the blue lot. They got some adjusted prices, and I want to read this post on the air for all of you. Jets at Texans, tailgate tickets still available at www.houstonjetfans.com. Also, right on the bottom of the banner, write down that information, and you can get all the information for the tailgate from that, from that link right there. $40 donation includes a meal, all you can drink, and an official tailgate wristband. $50 donation if you would like to purchase our 10th anniversary Houston Jet Fans t-shirt. $25 donation, get your food. No drink, though. $10 donation for a child's meal, ages 10 through 15. Children under 10 are admitted free. child size tailgate wristbands will be available. Games include Giant Connect 4, Giant Jenga, Ring Toss, Cornhole, and more. Heaters will be provided on site with private bathrooms only for the tailgaters. All right, $10 raffle to split the pot. Tailgaters are permitted to bring their own beverages. Otherwise, they will be fully stocked. They will have seating. We will have seating with high top and low top tables, but feel free to bring extra chairs. We are looking forward to tailgating with you. That is from Miss Alexis Gepner from the HoustonJetFans.com. So please, by all means, if you haven't already made plans to go to a Jet game, if you, if you are making plans to go to one road game this year, make this one be the game that you go to. Go hang out with Alexis. Tell her CJ and the boys from Weapons Hot sent you. They will take care of you and show you guys a good time. And hopefully we can turn NRG Stadium green and white. Let's make it feel like a Jets home game and go down there and kick some Texan ass. And hopefully if, if Zach I Wilson remember, will be starting. If I heard correctly, I know we follow Jake Asman, the Houston radio station host who uh, is a Jets fan. I think he's going to be there, right? Is he going to be I, there? I believe so. Oh, I'm sure he'll be there. Yeah, have have an opportunity to chop it up with Jake. Jake, who's from around my way on Long Island, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Jake's a good dude. I yeah, like man. him. Yeah, man. So again, a lot of a, a lot of opportunity to rub elbows with some Jet fans down there, build some camaraderie, have some fun, have a great time over there. Go to HoustonJetFans.com for all of the information, and if you have any questions, please reach out. To Miss Alexis Gepner, and she will help you out in any way she possibly can. 
And that is going to do it for tonight's episode of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I would like to thank every single one of you, every single one of you, all right, for watching us live. And those of you that are going to be watching us or listening to us either on replay or on audio podcast, we love you. You guys are the best. The show is nothing without you guys. You can follow the show on Twitter at CNC Jets Factor. You can follow me at JetsFan0523. My partner's in crime on the other side of the glass, Mr. Kevin Jackson at Spotty Blackman, and Jimmy the Reaper Jardine at Jets by Jimmy. Weapons Hot has a Facebook page. Be sure to go and like it. Our content's up there. If you send us a message, we'll message you right back. We love going back and forth with fans about this team. Also, leave us some feedback and leave us a rating about how we're doing here on Weapons Hot. If you think we're great, that's awesome. Send us a thumbs up. Tell us all about it. If we suck and we know nothing about football, that's fine too. Leave us a message anyway and we would love to debate with your sorry ass. Anyhow, also follow us on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Go to their Facebook page. Hit the like button. You could also hit the little bell button. Weapon Talk goes live on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You'll get a ping and you'll get to see us. Not only us, but a ton of other great shows on there. Such as the Sports Loudmouths. This past Wednesday, they had Jets insider Chris Nimbley. The Ryan Hickey Show, which is on Mondays and Thursday mornings. Uh, Off the Mat, which is before our show uh, on Friday nights. Wise Guys. Congratulations, guys. We got got so many different sports gambling and uh, fantasy programs on there. If you got a niche, uh, chances are you could find it on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Or you don't want to go to the Facebook page? That's fine. Download the app. If you have an Android, go to Google Play. If you have an iPhone, go to the iOS store and search up WWSRN. Also, Weapons Hot has a YouTube channel, Weapons Hot After Dark, which is the uncensored version of this show. On YouTube.com, we are currently trying to get to 200 subscribers. Right now, we are still at 194. And Jimmy said that if we get to 200, that he's going to poop a chicken. (laughs) <laughs> I actually did say that. <laughs> I know he was heavily inebriated when he said that, but we are holding it to him. And Kevin Jackson also promised us strippers. So we're going to try. <laughs> so as, 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 as soon as we were 13. <laughs> right, right. There we go. Yeah. You know what? That's actually not, not a bad idea. But again, help us get to Mission 200 as we're trying to grow the channel and spread the word. So... Thank you guys so much again for tuning in, for joining us this evening, spending your Friday night or your simulcast with us. For Jimmy the Reaper Jardine and Kevin Spotty Blackman Jackson, I'm CJ the Painkiller D. Simone, and we are signing off tonight. Peace, love, go Jets. Be safe out there, whatever you're doing, and we will catch you guys next Friday night. Happy Thanksgiving early. Be safe. Don't drink and drive. Please be careful, but most of all, have fun. We love you guys. We'll see you next week. You're you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.